for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. You, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Welcome to episode 50 of Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Halls Burkhardt. And I'm your host, Will Witt. Episode 50. 5-0. Officially this week, it's one year this week that I ordered all the equipment to do all the, these shenanigans right here. This is how far you can come in a year. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty damn proud. <laughs> proud of you. Well, anyway, before we get to a very special guest that we have, we're adding a new member to the Blue Harvest extended family this week. Uh, let me give you our information really quickly. If you want to like us on Facebook, you can at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Do it. You can follow us on Twitter at Blue Harvest Pod, and you can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. Do it, do it. And like I said, we got a special guest this week, someone who's making their first Blue Harvest appearance. Our good buddy, you may know him from the Crippled Ghost movie poster <laughs> that we posted on Twitter. It's our good buddy, Evan DeCellis. Hey, guys. How's it going? <clears throat> it's good to have you on, buddy. Definitely. Yeah, it's great to finally be here. It's kind of crazy hearing you say this was, what, the one-year, essentially, week anniversary, and I was chosen to be the guest. I'm honored. Yeah, it was probably, it was probably even Thursday or Friday of that week because I, I ordered wow. all the, um, the equipment on May the 4th. Mm-hmm. And then we recorded our first episode as soon as that shit came in. Yep, set it up. Yep. Wow, so. that's crazy. It should be our 52nd episode, if but we missed two weeks. Our second episode got completely lost. Yeah. And then... Oh, um, I remember that. And then we were late on our Force Awakens reaction show because... We didn't get to record that night. Yeah. So buzzkill. Well, I still give you guys props because, as you know, I tried to get a podcast off the ground earlier and that didn't happen. So, hey, still still 50 episodes ahead of me. So, hey, man, when is Rancor Radio going to happen? <laughs> oh, you know, it's funny because me and my buddy who he lives in Ohio and I'm from Pennsylvania. So we had talked about that and we were going to get together and do it. And then there was issues with the equipment. And at that point, I was like. You know, I would rather 
do it right than right. kind of just do it here and there and hope for the best. So, but I still made the the logo for the fun of it, and I was like, I kind of like doing this rainforest, so why not? I might as well finish it. Yeah, so, it came out really well. Oh, thanks, man. Um, so you know, there's a initiation process. Yes. When you come on Blue Harvest. Yes, I do. I was thinking about this the other day. And we uh, we got to put you through the ringer with it. Here we go. All right, let's do it. What are your first Star Wars memories slash experiences? <sighs> well, the the earliest Star Wars memory that I have is uh, I remember my parents were gathering everybody in my family up to go upstairs for dinner. And, and I think I was five at the time, four or five. And... I told them, you know, no, no, I'll be up, I'll be up, five minutes, five minutes. And I was sitting downstairs watching uh, the original trilogy. Uh, the VHS is the one. Do you remember that, that three VHS set that had Yoda, the Stormtrooper, and Darth Vader yeah. in that box? The three head set, that's what I call yes. it. Yes, exactly. I was watching that. And so basically, all I did was just binge watch the original trilogy every single day. Nice. You know? Yeah. So that was a, that was the earliest, and that was when I was five years old, essentially. So when that's I was, cool. Yeah, when I was five, I watched all three. So because I'm I'm twenty twenty two twenty three, so I ended up seeing the prequels. Well, the Phantom Menace. I was only six years old, and then nine years old for Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. I was twelve. So I essentially was a kid during all six of them. You know. Well, that sort of leads into one of our other questions. What did you think about the prequels? This, I'll, I'll like to hear this because um, you're one of the younger guests we've had on the show. Our buddy it's, Jeff is around. Well, no, Jeff just turned 30. It's so a perfect We got a young buck on the oh, show. Wow. Well, I mean, so, yeah. you grew up at the perfect time to provide us with a perspective. That, oh, absolutely. That makes us real creep. Hey, young kid, you want to come <laughs> talk about Star Wars with two dudes with beards? So. <laughs> When you put it like that, it does sound like that. He's safe now because he's not in the room with us. Yeah, but if he was, mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. triple ghost would be coming for me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Emphasis on coming for you. Hey, man. (laughs) There it is. Do you like Star Wars? (laughs) So, um, yeah. What did you think of the prequels, seeing them at such a young age? You know, they didn't bother me because, to me, the way that I saw them... um, it was almost just like an exact continuation like of the original trilogy, but going back. You know what I mean? Like right. when, when I saw The Phantom Menace, honestly, nothing about it. I mean, I was six years old, but nothing about it like unsettled me. Like, I guess I was the target audience for Jar Jar Binks at the time, you know? So the right. whole reason George Lucas did it. But, you know, and I you know, saw Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And after seeing all those, they never bothered me. And I don't think it was until maybe like five years ago that I really got, I guess that I really got into the internet culture of Star Wars and I started to hear that people had issues with them. And it was news to me because, you know, in my universe with my friends, all my age, like we just saw the prequels as, you know, part of the saga, as good as the other ones and everything. That's cool. Yeah. And then (laughs) I was like, maybe I should go back and watch them more critically. And then like, that's kind of when, certain things popped out yeah i mean look they're not perfect you know what is (laughs) besides empire strikes back oh i agree but uh i still enjoy them i've you know what i watch it turns out that a lot of times i end up watching those Mm -hmm. more frequently because i'll start a marathon 
I'll mm-hmm. be like, I'm watching them all today. And then I'll get to like a new hope and I'll be like, I'm fucking tired. Yeah. I want to go to bed. Oh, yeah. And then I, I can't pick up with Empire the next day. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I got to next time I do a marathon, I don't start with Empire. I start all the way back at Phantom Menace. Um, yeah, and that, that's the thing, too, is like by the time you get to a new hope, like as it being a Star Wars fan, you know, the pacing of a new hope is a little slow. It is. You know, so I think by that time, you're kind of like, you know, I'll start New Hope tomorrow, you know. Um, you know, uh, it's interesting that you say that about, you know, it taking a little while for you to realize that people weren't so into certain aspects of the prequels. Because yeah. I've had a, a similar uh, experience with that. Um, and I know Steel from Steel Wars has mentioned this, too. Like, growing up, I didn't realize people didn't like the Ewoks. I liked the Ewoks just I, fine. I'm just now realizing people don't like Ewoks. Right? And then I like Yubnub Ewoks. Once dude. I get on the internet and shit and like Lost has that joke, Hurley's like, come on, dude, everybody hates the Ewoks and all that shit. It never struck me that mm-hmm. um, uh, people didn't like the Ewoks. I have this. I don't know if I should tell this, but it's an. Okay, I will. We'll, we'll do it to <laughs> celebrate Evan's uh, first appearance wow. on the show. Thank you for this feature story. When I was like four or five, right, mm-hmm. my cousin Brooke would come over to my parents' house and babysit me during the summer while my parents were at work. And my parents had a pool, so one of the things we would do is go swimming, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, like I said, I was like four or five, so I was solely in the shallow end, no deep end action. You know what I'm saying? Wasn't I couldn't really swim. I had like the floaties on my arms and shit, but I was just out dicking around in the pool. <laughs> and one of the things I used to do would I would throw things in the deep end. And I don't know why I got such a kick out of this. I'd throw them in the deep end and Brooke would dive and get them off the bottom of the pool and bring them up. And the main thing I used to like to throw were I had these three Ewok action figures. I didn't have a lot of Star Wars action figures because by the time... I was old enough to want Star Wars action figures. They weren't in the stores anymore because mm-hmm. I was born in 83. That's the same year Jedi came out. So this is probably, you know, 88, 89 when this is going on. Mm-hmm. Well, one day, something in my brain was like, you know what else is brown like an Ewok? A piece of poo. Oh, no. So I took a little a, a little deucey deuce in the deep end <laughs> while, <laughs> while Brooke wasn't looking. And then I threw the Ewoks in there. And I told her go diving for the Ewoks. You know what? No. She grabbed a handful. Uh, poo. Oh, no. She, she got a, a handful of Hall's poo. I don't know if I should have told that. Look, but you did a, in that day. I don't know if, if she's into Star Wars in any way, shape, or form, but she will never be again after that. <laughs> Definitely doesn't like an Ewoks after that. No, she won't let me live that down. Like I said, I was five. That was 20-something years ago. And anytime we're hanging out, if Star Wars comes up, she's like, you know what Halls used to do? He used to make me go diving for Ewoks. You know what it was one time? Piece of shit. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my embarrassing Ewok story. Oh, You're just an great. evil little kid to do that. <laughs> I mean, I, who that's knows, man? a good man? joke. You got I mean, her good. I mean, that's not a good joke. A good joke doesn't involve someone else touching <laughs> a piece of your shit. Only the funniest. Yeah, but that, that kind of story, it, it's so messed up that... You're questioning even telling it. That means it's a good story. Yeah, true. All right, next up on our introductory questions, what did you think of The Force Awakens? Um, You know, I really did like The Force Awakens. I would probably say it's maybe like the third or my fourth favorite in the entire series. Right on. 
Um, I will say, though, and I'm only being critical of it because I love it and it's Star Wars, but I felt like it had a little bit of, like, Avengers humor in it. Um, where, like, I mean, there's always been, like, humor in Star Wars, but I felt like there were some moments where it was like, hmm, like it took me out of it a little bit. I, I mean, know what I, you're saying. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I enjoyed it through and through, but there were some moments where... I mean, the whole Rathtar scene isn't my favorite. Yeah, that's not my favorite. If there's a scene in that movie I don't like, it would be the Rathtar. Yeah. I yeah. like everything leading up to it with Han's mm-hmm. ban- Han- banter with uh, the Death Gang and Kanja Club. And yeah. I like it up until, or, or right after Han punches the dude and throws him in the Rathtar's mouth. I do like that part. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the Rathtar's yeah. myself. I mean, that's just me nitpicking, though. I mean, I like it as a whole, but I, it, I think, and I don't want to say it was missing, like, a, a George Lucas element, because that's, like, a dangerous thing to say these days. No, um, I, you know what? I can I can agree with that. Like, yeah. George always brought this little element of weirdness. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Oh, and yeah. And sometimes that weirdness was really awesome, and then sometimes that weirdness was, like, looking at the back of an animal while it farted directly at the screen <laughs> yes, in the yes. Phantom Menace. Like, I prefer the humor of The Force Awakens to, you know, fart jokes and icky, icky poo jokes and shit like that. Yes, I, I, to- I totally agree with that. I mean, you think back to the original trilogy, though, like, there's not a ton of humor in those movies, you know? I mean, yeah, there are funny moments and. I remember it's, it's subtle and yeah. I, and yes, that's yes, kind of exactly. what I enjoyed like yeah. you know when I, a moment you caught I think the last time we were talking was when he's like they save princess leia they show up with the Millennium falcon and she's like oh you came in that thing you're braver <laughs> than I thought and he goes nice nice can yeah. we get yes. like and then he's like can we get out of you like um yeah cool. I, you know the first time I got to see star wars in a theater with other people was when the special editions came out and mm-hmm. I remember being surprised at things that people laughed at in it. Um, like, the main one I remember people laughing at that I was just like, people think that's funny, was when R2 gets shocked by the Jawas early on, and he's like, boom, and falls over. Yeah, Like, that got a chuckle out of the crowd. And that's I was like, have you guys not seen this before? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely more subtle. Um, yeah. For the most part, I liked the humor elements in the force awakens mm-hmm. um but you know i i could also see where some people think some of it goes a little too far you know one of the first things that sort of it didn't rub me the wrong way but i was like huh that doesn't seem exactly star warsy but it's something i love now and mm-hmm. i loved shortly after it happened but the the first time i saw it when it happened i was like uh-oh was uh bb8 doing the thumbs up with his lighter Yes. I love that now. Like, uh, mm-hmm. But when I first saw it, I was like, ooh, uh, uh, okay, all right. That's a little type of humor I wasn't expecting, a thumbs right. up from a droid. Yeah. But, you know, um, yeah. it sunk in, and, you know, I really dig it now. I've watched that movie since I've had it at home I don't know how many damn times. Like, if I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take a nap on the couch, I'm going to take a nap to The Force Awakens. See, it's so tough for me because, like, I want to do that. But then I just get like all riled up and I'm like, okay, I got to sit up. This is when this happens. And this like, I think to myself, if I fall asleep now, I know exactly what I'm going to miss. And I don't want to miss that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like- yeah, I totally know what you mean. 
But see, that's the thing. Like, I, I have to be sitting up and paying very close attention to Star Wars mm-hmm. now when I watch it. Because if I relax, like, kick back and just, I'm like, you know, I want to kick back the, the foot rest and lean back on the couch and watch it. I'll fall asleep because it just puts me in such a fucking peaceful mood and the music and everything. Like, I'll be out in minutes. Everything's all right in the world. I'm watching Star Wars. Let's take a nap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of, though, with the music, that's something about The Force Awakens, too, is the first time when I saw it, I didn't hear anything. You know what I mean? Like, I was so into, like, the visuals that I didn't let the music hit me. And every time I went after that, the music just got better and better. You know, there was a lot of initial reaction to the the soundtrack, it seemed, where people were like, eh, it's okay, it's not that great, but you know what? It's really grown on me. And I think that is, it's a combination of things. I think it as you're right, the first time you see it, you're just like trying to soak it all in. Mm-hmm. And the music is, it stood out some when they used familiar themes like the Force theme. That mm-hmm. stuck out to me and Ray's theme stuck oh, yeah. out to me. But that was about it, the first viewing. And now there's some stuff I really like. that um, The music that the, it plays when Poe and them come in to rescue everybody yes. on Taco Donna is great. Yes. Um, there's this real like ominous um, track that plays when Kylo Ren is stomping around Starkiller Base in between interrogating Ray and going back to see mm-hmm. Snoke and then going back to find her missing. It's really good there, too. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. It did, nothing stuck out hugely for me, especially compared to, say, like Duel of the Fates. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Dead was... in the Phantom Menace. When that first kicked on in the Phantom Menace, like you knew some shit was about to go oh, down. Big time. That was instant. Um, so next up, uh, what do you hope to see or, or what do you think we'll see in episode eight? Um, what I think that we're going to see, well, from, from whatever, you know, people have been saying about, you know, starting off where they left off. That's intriguing to me with like with the whole Ray and Luke and handing off the lightsaber and everything like that. I'm interested to see if they really do do that. Mm-hmm. And I think I think if they do that, I think then it'll, it'll cut to like it'll get to a comfortable point and then it'll be like, you know, like a time passage moment. Oh, I gotcha. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But what I do think we're going to see is I think we're going to we're going to see Snoke in his regular form, non-holographic, you know, hologram. Mm-hmm. He'll be you'll see his lair. You'll see more about him in that backstory. Um, I think you'll learn more about his, you know the big plan, the big picture and where Kylo Ren specifically fits into it. Like I think when Han said, you know, he's using you for his power and then he'll crush you. Right. I think that like left a hole in my mind, like, Hmm, wonder what he means. And I think we're going to get the answer to that in, in the next one. Like we're going to see how is he using Kylo? Maybe it's not just the Jedi. Maybe it's, maybe there's more to it, you know? So I'm thinking we're going to see that answer. We're going to see, you know, Snoke's, his purpose, his goal, and then I also think we're going to see just Luke just kill it on screen. Oh, I can't oh. wait. Have you seen the uh, the sketches of what his costume is going to look like in Episode oh, 8? That's amazing. Oh, It's got like a Return of the Jedi slash Count Dooku slash badass old Luke look to it. Yeah, it reminds me of like the Return of the Jedi, like fused with Count Dooku and just it. It, like, really works, you know, because, you know, nothing against Mark Hamill, but, like, 
how I picture him now, it's hard for me to see him being like fluid and, and mobile. Right, right. So how somebody might be like, oh, old Luke, he's going to kick ass. Like, it's hard for me to see that with Hamill with like at least the outfit that he was in before and his, you know, his, his shape now. But in that outfit, I could see how it would work. Right. You know, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I wonder what way they're going to take Luke in episode eight. Is he going to be super badass with a lightsaber or is he going to be super powerful with the with the force where he doesn't use a lightsaber very much or is it going to be like a a combination of both i would hope that it's a combination of both i'd like to think that you know he shows that how powerful he is with the force and then there comes a time where he has to pull that lightsaber out i gotta see him use that green lightsaber i gotta i gotta i gotta see see him whip ass with it as well don't let me See, see him lose another hand with the green lightsaber like yeah i don't think that would be awful happen. to pull it out and then him get like wounded or whatever i mean i'm not saying he couldn't end up getting wounded at some point in the next couple of movies i just don't think i need to see him be super badass luke yeah skywalker yeah. jedi master is what i need yeah and that's that's the thing too i think with episode eight is you need to have some type of conflict between him and ray if you're going to put them in the movie for a long period of time, just in each other's company, you know? Right. I like, mean, I mean, right off the bat, there's an abandonment issue. Like, yes. that, it's going to have to be resolved no matter what. I mean, what. if that is her dad. If that's her dad. You know, um, I, I agree. Like, you can't just have the whole movie be her and Luke getting along just fine. There has yes. to be some sort of thing that Ray has to get over or that Luke has to get over. It, otherwise, it's not very interesting. Right. And yeah. I think, you know, if we just come in on episode eight and Luke is personality-wise just like he was when we left in Return of the Jedi, that's not the best way to take it. I think mm-hmm. that character needs to evolve into something else. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be one of two things. Like, with, with his conflict is, I think, one, like like Will said, if, if that is... Her fa- if if Luke is her father, then he's gonna have to deal with that abandonment with her. Um, and then the second one, if if it's not that, then I'd say his conflict is gonna be, you know, his his pursuit of you know the Jedi and the Force and all this has led to so much destruction. And I think right. that he's gonna be super reserved. And I think throughout the hesitation of involvement. Yes. Yes. And I think that that's going to be furthered whenever he finds out Han died in pursuit of finding Luke. You know what I mean? Like, he'll feel even more guilt he about will. that. Yeah, I've heard some people think that that's going to be the um, the thing that makes him want to get back in the fight. But I almost see it being the other way. He's like, you know, I got my brother-in-law, one of my best friends, killed because he was mm-hmm. looking for me and I couldn't adequately train his son. And I think there's there's some awfully interesting things they ways they could take his character and eight the one thing i don't want is bad luke skywalker i don't think it'll happen but like dark side luke skywalker i have no interest in whatsoever. yeah that's I, that's a disservice to the older films yeah honestly. i don't think it would happen it's um, a disservice to his victory yes. in return of the jedi it is and that's the thing too is i mean regardless of the transformations that luke had made from four to five to six He's the one the quality that he's always kept is his sensitivity. Right. You know what I mean? Where you know, obviously in the beginning he you know, in episode four he was attached to Ben. Um, you know, in, in the middle, you know, he was attached to his friends, which is why he ran off, and then in the last one, his father, and it's like there's this constant 
compassion. You know, this, exactly, exactly. So I feel like that's going to be the one thing we're definitely going to see. Jedi are supposed to have compassion, but yes. avoid attachment. Right. In the old school. Right. Maybe that's how Luke's Jedi Order was going to be different. You know? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. yeah. And that's and that, I guess that's in the spirit of his father of, you know, of attachment. I guess that's a Skywalker, you know, thing. The trait, yeah. They uh they're easy they like commitment, the Skywalkers, I guess. They follow their hearts. Oh yeah. <clears throat> All right. Hey, who's your favorite character, Evan? I don't know that I know this. Um this is gonna be a little bit surprising. Okay. Um but I think my favorite character is Mace Windu. Oh, right on. Yeah. You know, um, when it, well, the reason it was whenever I was younger was because purple is my favorite color, and I saw oh. a purple lightsaber, and I was in. Right, know, right. At that point on. But then as I grew older, I started to like him for like more concrete reasons where, like, um, how he was just very stern and very about his business, and then seeing the Clone Wars series just, like, further solidified that. Okay, like, those... the Clone Wars series is what sold me on Mace Windu. I was not a Mace Windu fan until I saw him barehanded beat down an army of droids and like a super, super thumper weapon or whatever it was. He single-handedly crushed General Grievous's chest and gave him his breathing ailment. Like, that shit was badass. Oh, yeah. That that combined with his arc uh, with the Jar Jar episodes... Surprisingly good for a Jar Jar arc. Yes, uh, him exactly. and, and it's Mother Talzin. She's in that a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and that's what, a really good. And arc. Somebody, if somebody would say to me, "Hey, watch, you know, watch this couple episodes of you know Mace Windu and Jar Jar together," I <laughs> immediately that doesn't sound appealing to me. But after watching it, it's, it's one of my standout moments of the Clone Wars. Looking back on it, um, that's where you're like, mm, "Hard pass, thank you very much." You know yes. what? Uh, there's yeah. a, another Jar Jar arc in the Clone Wars that I actually really like, and it's super silly. It's the one where he's pretending to be a Jedi on Naboo. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's it's on Naboo, isn't it? It's pretty early on. Um I remember seeing this episode, but it's been so long I can't tell uh, you a detail. Yeah, that yeah. sounds very familiar. Yeah, it's it's one I where I was like, "All right, right on." Um and just once again, you got to applaud them. I mean, whatever you want to say about Jar Jar, you got to applaud the makers of Clone Wars for just having the balls. For being like, yeah. yeah, we know people don't like Jar Jar. I think that was for George. Oh, they were and, like, you know what, George, we love you. Oh, it definitely was for George. But at the end of the day, it still takes balls. And I mean, George Lucas had a lot of influence on that show. So he was probably like, hey, look, you're going to put motherfucking Jar Jar in it. And from mm-hmm. that that perspective, I like it as a middle finger. Like It's like yes. George being yep. like, oh, you want a Star Wars TV show every week? All right. All right. Here's a three-episode Jar Jar arc. Fuck yes, you. Yep, yep, exactly. Because, okay, like, of, of course when I look back on The Phantom Menace and I, and I see the Jar Jar scenes, I'm like, oh, okay. But what's more obnoxious is people's focus on Jar Jar as a character itself. Like, it's that was 1999. It has been 17 years. And it's right. this, why is this still a thing, you know? You know, it's beating a dead horse at this point. Yes, yeah. I get it. You don't like Jar Jar. Yes, I get it. He's not the best character. Yes, I get it. He's he's child. It's got childish humor, but let it go, man. We're in, we're getting new movies now. Like the, the more I thing. think about it, I can let go the fact that he's the comic relief, that he's the childhood favorite, that he's the the stooge basically. Mm-hmm. He's the ridiculously lucked. You know, he's just there's so many so many roles that he fills that are just so ridiculous. But the one thing I don't really understand was like the speech pattern choice. 
I, yeah. I, it made it hard to understand. It could have been construed as racist. Like, it, it yeah, just... I, I, I see I see exactly what you're saying. The speech selection style was just, I think, a poor choice. I guess. I, yeah, I, I get that. I think if that and had been a little different, he might have been more accepted. You know, like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> What's the wizard from uh, He-Man? The wizard from He-Man? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> shit. The dude that's in, like, the that looks kind of like a black mage from little, Final yeah, Fantasy? a little irritating. Uh, I don't know. That's what is Jar Jar Orko Binks, or some Orko, shit? there you is go. It it? That's what Jar Jar Binks reminds me of, like. I gotcha. Man, looks... He-Man's a little before your time, huh, Evan? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say that's sad, but I was like, you're asking the wrong person. Man, uh, He-Man was, oh, was one of my jams back in the day. That's that's how you know I'm old. That's me dating myself. I apologize. Well, no, that's not too, too bad because I like a lot of, you know, old classics like Three's Company. How about... Know? I'll come how, and knock on my door. knock on the door. Exactly. <laughs> how well, about the Alpha to the Power Rangers? Oh. oh. Power Rangers. Power Rangers. Where does that lie in your... Is that were you ever old? Am I dating myself yeah. even well, further? I was, I was, I grew up with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that was like, that was the the, the prime of the Power Rangers. So I I, I caught that. I did. Okay. Just making sure I'm in the right ballpark. Yeah. yeah. Will and I might have been a little too old to be watching Power Rangers when they came (laughs) on. That's why I was trying to relate. I'm reaching backwards. Oh, but I'm not even going to front and say I wasn't. I was into the Power Rangers. Rangers. Motherfucking. Green Ranger, son. Tommy. Oh, yeah. Man. Dude, the flute, the dagger flute to call the Dragon Zord. He, of course, yeah. he's your favorite, and oh. he's got gold armor. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, whenever he made that transformation, I was like, what is this? this is you amazing. just, I would lose my mind. I would be like, no, he's not. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. And anytime, anytime they were getting the, the six, I think it was the six of them, were getting beat down, you were like, all right, all right, where's, where's Tommy? Where, where's the Green Ranger? Somebody yep. call the Green Ranger. Oh, yeah. And then he became the White Ranger. Oh. Awesome. Sorry. All right. So Scroll I think down that... memory lane that did not happen to be Star Wars. Apologies. <laughs> Apologies. It happens. Um, it is so Cinco I, de Mayo, by I, the way. I think, yeah, I just got a, some sort of notification on my phone about Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's, that's funny. Um, so we got past your uh, introductory questions. How about we uh, transition into a little news? And then get to some emails. We've got quite a few emails this week. Do to cover. we really? Got like five of them. Why do you not like to read emails on Rogue One? I don't like to read. You emails read on... emails like a son of a bitch here on Blue Harvest. <laughs> <laughs> man, I hate reading emails. Man, it makes I feel like I'm illiterate. You know, Will, I was wondering the same thing because obviously I listen to every every one of episodes of Blue Harvest, and then we get to Rogue One, and I'm, they first get to the email questions. I'm like, all right, let's, you know, what does Haas got for us? And he just like avoids it like the plague. Like and the I'm like, plague. What? I'm like, what's going on here? This guy loves to read emails. I know. I love getting emails. I don't like the process of reading them because I always stumble. And he accepts mm-hmm. it, I guess, because there's two of us, and there's enough to go around for just the two of us. Yeah. Okay. That's that's fair. Okay. So, let's talk, uh, you want a little Star Wars gaming news to start off the whole thing? Hit me with that Star Wars sweet gaming news. Uh, They announced this week, this is um, really cool, in my opinion. Um, They actually announced it yesterday on May the 4th, that Respawn Entertainment, the company that made Titanfall, are developing a third-person action game 
set in the Star Wars universe. Really? Yes. And uh, Evan actually sent me a link this morning with some information I didn't know. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was the project lead on God of War 3, correct? Yes, yes, God of War 3. And he is in charge of this game. He's the project lead on this new Star Wars game. Oh, sweet. So, um, I didn't know about this, but this sounds phenomenal. Yeah, uh, like I was uh, saying to Evan, like if you're trying to do a third-person action game, go after one of the dudes that was involved in fucking God of War. Oh, absolutely. That's, yeah, that's who you want to go with. Now, you know, I've heard some people being like, oh, do you think it's going to be a big mech game? Because Titanfall was a big mech game. I do not. No. You know, they're not going to want to just completely um, rehash themselves. They're probably want to, especially with it being third person, they're going to want to do something a little differently, uh, I would say. And that's what's interesting about that, too, is God of War couldn't be the furthest thing from Titanfall. You know what I mean? Right. So, I, I can't look at it and say it's going to be like a God of War or it's going to be like a Titanfall. I think it's just it's really going to be its own thing, which I think is a good selection. Like that—that's what oh, you yeah. want out of a game like that. So that—that ha- that means we have two. I'm sure there's a ton more in development, but we have two for sure. Um, they're announced, but we don't know what they are. Star Wars games in development. We have the one that's being worked on by Visceral. And that was the company that was behind Dead Space. Amy Henning, one of the um, lead writers on the Uncharted series, I believe the first three, um, she's in charge of that game. Oh, wow. And now we have this new one from Respawn um, with um, the guy from God of War 3 working on it. So, you know, uh, I I believe EA has the Star Wars license for 10 years. So we're probably going to see... You know, quite a few games. They're mm-hmm. trying to set the standard for whoever's going to get the, you know, mm-hmm. the next 10 years. Well, I mean, it could very well just be EA. If, if these games sell well, and I'm sure they will, you know, they'll renew that contract. Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, Disney, in some regards, they want everything to be in-house, but they also realize that they can't do everything. That's why... They, they don't produce their own action figures. They have Hasbro do it. And that's also why they realize if something's not broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Disney does that a lot. Like, they find something that really works, that makes money, and that's what you do. You yeah. do that thing and that really works and really makes money. That's true. That's, that's the thing about EA's at Game Studio, too, is they've been known to, once they have something that's making them money, they will hold on to it as much and as long as they can. Because they did the same thing with uh, the NFL license. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for the Madden games. The last game that wasn't Madden was uh, 2K5, I believe it was. Yeah. And I believe every single time the license has been up, EA has put out a massive amount of money to keep that exclusive you know, license going. So I don't think it's going to leave EA's hands anytime soon, as long as it's you know, doing fairly well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, I, we've talked about it on the show or before, Will. Um, let's get Evans, because uh, Evans a gamer. He likes to game. Oh, uh, for sure. Uh, let's get his opinion on this. What would be your ideal, your perfect? If you were in charge of making a Star Wars game, mm-hmm. what would it be? Um, that's a very good question. To be honest, like it's going to sound kind of strange, but something that I would have a blast doing would would be with basically. Dice's mechanics, um, and the you know the graphics and and 
the character models, everything like that, actually doing uh, an original trilogy game, which right sounds on. which 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 it sounds kind of weird because like how do you you know insert action scenes where they shouldn't be kind of deal? But I don't know. I think it would be kind of cool to kind of see that universe like you know remastered and kind of play through that and have that those experiences. Like that would be so fun. Yeah, and, and so you mean like a, so a first person shooter. Um, with say like what is it the Frostbite three or four engine that they're using now? I think something like that. Um, uh, but set during the original trilogy, but more story based, not necessarily yeah, exactly. competitive multiplayer. Yeah, I guess in a sense it would be kind of like what the Lego games are, but like more of a serious take right. on it. So you would you don't necessarily want to play one of the big three. Uh, you would want to be like just a random soldier in either the Empire or see. I th- I could get behind a lengthy first person shooter campaign that's got sort of two two different sides. You can you start off and you play as the rebel. You play as just a rebel soldier that's there through the whole original trilogy, and yes. you know some levels could take place in between the movies and give you little bits of content that you didn't see. But you get to participate in the big battles, Hoth, you know, Yavin, Endor, and then you play the opposite side of the story as like a stormtrooper or something. You can, I mean, yeah. get, if a game is really good, it can weave both those stories at the exact yeah. same time. Very Call of true. Duty does that. Uh, Halo does that. Mm-hmm. You can weave the the the, char- the story with two different characters driving it. You know fairly well. That's an excellent point. You know, yeah. almost a sort of every other level you change, or every couple of levels right. you change. That's not yeah. a bad idea. That'd work very well too, because I could see like you running through a battlefield shooting stormtroopers, and you look up and you see the Death Star blowing up because of what Luke did. Like you don't see right. a specific action, but you don't need that because you have the films. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd, that'd be great. That would be neat. It'd be cool to fight, you know, have a level where I'm a, I don't know, a Death Star Imperial soldier laser and cannon gunner. And I've got to do nothing but just, like, eliminate the incoming starships from the Rebel fleet. I got you. That's cool, you mm-hmm. know. And then the next, you know, somewhere in that battle you play the Rebel assaulting. And you get to make your run. I like that. I like that, too. Um, so, um, But you never able to sink it. Another Even if you get right on, you can't <laughs> sink it because Luke does. Well, that takes away the sad. sad you're playing a level you can never beat. That, the, I mean, I know you'll progress. At but. the last second, Luke will come in. I think that's funny. Like, not, <laughs> it would be awful, but it'd be hilarious. Like, you like, what the fuck? I nailed it, and then Luke comes in and nails it. Like, <laughs> so um, the other big piece of uh, news that they announced yesterday is they announced the dates for the next U.S. Star Wars celebration. April 13th through 16th in Orlando, Florida. Hmm. Yep. I talked to the lady Sunny today. Orlando. And it looks like we're going. Looks oh, like I'm going to be at the next celebration. Uh-oh. I'm excited. Oh, look out. Um, so, uh, real quickly, we'll just cover this because I really want to get to these emails. I think we're going to have some good discussions to get into. So, it's in April. And uh, it lines up sort of when uh, the last U.S. celebration was, and we got that uh, awesome second Force Awakens trailer, the Chewie We're Home trailer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to figure we get, it may, it may even be the first trailer that we get for Episode Eight. <clears throat> I don't think we're going to see a trailer for Episode Eight before Rogue One comes out. Um, I think 
you know, once Rogue One, because that's also probably going to be around the time we get Rogue One on DVD and Blu-ray and digital and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that seems like the perfect time to have a big old opening ceremony, have Ryan Johnson in the cast there, and you debut the first trailer for Episode Eight. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot else going on, maybe some spinoff movie announcements. Although I kind of feel like maybe we'll get the uh, announcement of who's playing Han Solo at this year's uh, European celebration. That would be awesome. Actually, did you see, um, I think it was, was it Chris, Chris Lord? Is it? Is he? That's one of the directors, right? The brothers? Or Phil Lord? Oh, yeah, that's Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Okay, Chris Miller. I think it was Chris Miller who tweeted uh, today. It was a picture of a blaster that says, can't wait to start shooting. Yes, and it was Han's blaster. Uh, yep. That yeah. Was... That, I mean, I, I like that. I like when they give us at least a little something, you know? Yeah. So, and that to me makes it seem, because it kind of looked like to me that, that it was on a set, maybe even the Millennium Falcon. So I kind of feel like that once Rogue One is completely wrapped, they're probably going to be shooting the Han Solo movie in the not too dis- distant future. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be great. I can't wait to see that movie. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I, I know there's a big responsibility in who they're going to cast as Han Solo, but if you do that well, it's going to go over really well. Oh, for sure. And I and I don't think that uh, you know one of the first standalone movies, that, you know, only the second one that they do, that they would take such a big chance unless they weren't sure they were going to nail. And I trust them. You yeah, know? and plus you got Lawrence Kasdan and his son writing the script and. He is a proven element when it comes to writing Han Solo and Han Solo uh, uh, dialogue. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really think, you know, it's going to be well written. And with the time that it seems like they're putting into casting, uh, whoever's going to play the young Han Solo, I've got a lot of faith in this movie. It's the one that could could really be bad, though, you know? Mm-hmm. If they don't get the casting right, it could, it could definitely be bad. Yeah, it could be a big stain if it goes wrong. Yeah, it's one of those ones that it could either do one of two things. Either one, say it goes bad, then people were like, I don't know if I can trust Disney. They had, you know, they have this blemish on their record. Mm-hmm. And then, then it's the other side is if they can nail Han Solo and, and not be Harrison Ford, I trust them with anything. Yes, it could be where, the, I mean, you know, The Force Awakens sold me on the the Disney era of Star Wars, like... I think that was the big hurdle to get over to see if Star Wars was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I was already fairly confident because I've really liked what they've done with Marvel. Um, especially when you consider that they took, they didn't take the cream of the crop Marvel characters. Everybody loves Iron Man now, but that's only because of those movies. Yeah, yeah and everybody exactly. loved Robert Downey Jr. They fell in love with him as Tony Stark. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I had some faith in them leading up to it for sure. It's mm-hmm. just... Um, you know, it, it was <laughs> kind of, you know, iffy if they would be able to nail the feel of Star Wars. And I feel, I think they did. It didn't feel exactly like old Star Wars. It did feel a little different and a little new. Um, but you also want that. You don't want it to stay stagnant and stale. You want it to evolve. Yes, so, I agree. You know, it was it was nice to see, you know, that they did well with that. So, you know, I, I'm confident in them now. And if they can, and like you were saying, Evan, if they can pull the Han Solo movie off, then I'm along for the ride as long as oh, they, for as long yeah. as they want to make these movies. <clears throat> um, I still want that damn Boba Fett movie though. Oh. 
Josh Trank. Yeah, yeah. Good old Josh Trank can't handle his shit. Nope. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I saw that Fantastic Four movie. I might have had a little personal meltdown too if I was involved in that. <laughs> yeah, especially if if you're the you know your name is tied to it, and supposedly he claims that that's not that wasn't his vision what he put out. Yeah, you know? but 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 I saw it too, and it's like there were a lot of things wrong with it. So. It can't all be the studio's fault. Yes, exactly. So I was going to say you had to have you had to have had some of these awful things in your vision too. So right, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was weird. It felt like two different movies, like mm-hmm. and, and like sort of smushed together. And they were like, "Hey, check it out! It's you know, it's the Fantastic Four, guys. Don't you know? Here's the thing, sort of. <laughs> um, you like that, don't you? You, you like that. <laughs> so the last thing we have to get to before uh, emails is, you know, those good old dudes with the drones. Have you heard about this, Will? No. Flew their, dr- flew their drones over the Pinewood Studio backlot and took some awesome secret pictures of the sets for Episode 8. Oh, my goodness. People have to be pissed off about that. Oh, I mean, of course. I you mean, know Lucas, they are. Lucasfilm specifically is what I meant. So this is the first one. Check that out. Um, have you seen these, Evan? I have, yes. <clears throat> so I'm showing him the one that looks like basically a jedi temple right probably the first jedi temple right um and then the other one that's of interest is the millennium falcon parked sort of at the bottom of the stairway laden up there and you see this black structure right there that's a tree and from different angles that tree kind of looks like a few different things it looks Sort of like, you know how the Jedi Temple looks in the prequels with the four towers and then the big one in the middle? Yeah. It kind of looks like that. And it also kind of looks like the Jedi symbol Oh, uh, mm-hmm. from the prequels. So um, just a nice little visual nod. It's got me really excited because those sets look awesome. They do. Um, it looks like they did a really good job of recreating Skellig Michael, which is where they filmed that last scene in The Force Awakens. They're going to... Um restrict the airspace over that studio well you know what's fucked up is before they started filming apparently they hired other drone flyers like to take out enemy drones in their airspace what like that's the job i want right you know what i'm saying that's like a real life video game but apparently their drone experts dropped the ball (laughs) that's amazing i mean that is when you know a company is into keeping some secrets is when they're like you know what we're gonna imply the maverick and goose of fucking drone pilots to help us keep people from taking pictures of our sets i mean that's incredible i'm impressed they thought about everything (coughs) they sure did all right you guys want to get to some emails and some discussions because of said emails hit me with the emails and discussions well first up we've got one from our buddy joe you guys should be familiar with him now he writes in just about every week uh he's actually going to be coming on the show in the near future Extend the family a little bit more. And this is what he has to say. Hello, Halls and Will. I wanted to give King Tom kudos for his insightful email last week. It was really great. Also, Johnny was a great co-host as usual. I'm still working on formulating a concrete opinion on why Goose is right about Palpatine. You hear that, Goose? You got someone else on your side, buddy. On a related note, the impersonation of Goose by both you and Johnny last week was excellent. Get Goose on Twitter. You hear that, Goose? (laughs) I know you're listening, buddy. Joe wants you to get on Twitter. Talk some shit with us. On to the heart of my email. 
Johnny Grosso's reference to the law of retarding lead triggered something in my mind. I encourage your readers to read the, the Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. It's a long historical account of how Hitler came to power in Germany. There are so many details in Hitler's rise and thankful fall that led me to believe that George Lucas based Palpatine's character heavily on Hitler. There's too much to discuss in an email here. On a related note, I'm curious what novelization of the films you and your listeners enjoyed most. I'm specifically in asking about the novelization of the films, not other Star Wars books like Lost Stars. Myself, I love the novelization of The Phantom Menace. It may, it may be more sentimental than anything, but getting my hands on new Star Wars material back in 1999 still gives me chills as I think back to it. There's a brief, re, brief rest... Re, See, this is why I don't like reading emails. <laughs> you gotta embrace it. There's a brief reference to young Anakin having a dream where Padme leads an army against him. We never saw that on film, but re reading that passage captivated me. The novelization of The Force Awakens is great, but it doesn't match that of The Phantom Menace. I hope your listeners chime in with your thoughts. Keep up the great work, Joe. So, have you guys uh, gotten into the Star Wars novelizations of the movies very much? I think I read a little bit of The Phantom Menace, surprisingly enough, and then I haven't read a novelization since then. Right on. What about you, Evan? Pretty much the only one that I read uh, cover to cover was The Force Awakens, actually. Right. Which... You know, I, I really liked it. I think, like, there were some things about it that really did offer um, more insight. Like, I think there were a couple of moments with Snoke and Kylo mm -hmm. about mentioning Rey and about, like, it was more uh, it was more blatant about her existence and adding to the dialogue. And, I mean, I liked it. I mean, it was pretty good. Yeah. I would say, so I've read them all. I would say my favorite one is actually The Return of the Jedi. Um novelization and the main reason for that is because back in the day when i was a young buck waiting on the supposed star wars prequels it was the one that gave you the most information of of who anakin was before he mm -hmm. became darth vader it's the first mention i ever remember reading of him being burned of falling into a, like a falling into fire and being burned and it also this is something that got retconned way later but it says that Owen Lars was Obi-Wan's brother, which was a little piece of Star Wars, you know, fact that I thought of as, you know, true and canon for years. And I would tell all my friends, oh, you know, Owen is Obi-Wan's brother. And, you know, that's clearly not the case anymore, but hmm. something that I always found uh, interesting and, you know, um, and then, you know, I, the, the main thing I like about the novelizations, because I watch the movies so much, like, when I read the novelization, but they do give you little bits and pieces. You get more in the character's head. In the Revenge of the Sith novelization, Anakin's fall is a lot more clearly spelled out because you sort of get inside his head and his, his thought process in, in ways that you can't really do in a movie. Um, and then there's some that where they throw in little goofy Side, like in the Attack of the Clones one, there's a scene where Django and Boba are fishing together off the side of one of those platforms in Camino. Interesting. And, you know, it's just like a little father-son moment, but, like, whoever thought you'd see fucking Boba Fett and his dad fishing? Right. That's Not weird. me. I guess they were trying to set up more of, um, I guess, more of a, a painful loss for the audience whenever they see him get decapitated. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that they would be fishing, you know, just 
in a yeah. technological setting like that, you would think fishing would have evolved to something else. Like, you know, yeah. who knows how you, you know, how you would come up with some crazy sci-fi way to catch Send fish. Send your little droid that's the size of your hand down to What's attract that? a fish and then catch it and bring it back to you. What's the, the sport in that? I think the novelizations are, they're great if, if you go, I mean, this is only basing it off of one, but I think as a general rule, if you go into it knowing what it's going to be generally, like what you're going to get and what you're not going to get, you know, um, at least expect what the movie gave you and then maybe like a little bit more meat to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that is nice. And, um, I liked that they got Alan Dean Foster to come back and do this novelization. That was a nice callback to the guy that did the original one. Um, so, you know, I'll be interested to see where they go forward with these novelizations and who they get um, to do them. I believe it was Revenge of the Sith. They got an uh, an author named R.A. Salvatore to do the novelization. And he's famous in the D&D circuit. Mm-hmm. He does For all writing the, the, the stories about Dritz the Drove. Exactly. So, you know, I was excited about that because I was way into those books at the time. So when... They announced him as the Star Wars author. I was super ex- uh, excited. <clears throat> All right. So next up, uh, and thanks, Joe, for the email, buddy. Next up, we have our good buddy, Jeremy, the Space Barbarian. The Space Barbarian, <laughs> who, who made bought, us some kick-ass stickers. That's what I was about to say. We got a, a stack of kick-ass Star or Blue Harvest stickers. If you want one, how about you hit me up on Twitter or email us and let me know. Send me your address, and I'll get one of those in the mail for you. This is what Jeremy has to say. Buddies, first off, you know I love you guys, and catching up on Blue Harvest has made my week-to-week traveling for work actually somewhat enjoyable. And I won't leave out Rogue One for helping fill that void. So thank you guys, and keep up the awesome work. I would like to add that, you know, Jeremy, I think he likes Star Wars, but I don't think he was the biggest Star Wars fan before. I think we're rubbing off on him. He'd be mm. texting me about watching Star Wars. He's been looking out for black figures for me. That's man. what I like to hear. It's a good if, man. If we bring one person closer to the light side that is liking Star Wars, job, job well done Mission on our accomplished. part. <laughs> I agree. So he says, on to my question. So a few times now with Miss Bone, Jesse, and Goose, the discussion, discussion of matchups in the upcoming episode eight and nine have been talked about. And while I agree, there is one thing that, was, that no one has mentioned, at least that I've heard. Or maybe I did and short-termed it away. (laughs) Sticking with the past template we have seen with Vader and the Emperor, do you guys not think that possibly Kylo Ren will try to overtake Supreme Leader Snoke? All this staring and speaking to the ashes of Vader's helmet and asking for guidance makes me feel there's a slight possibility that either the good in Kylo will shine and we'll see history repeat itself, or possibly just the opposite, and we see Kylo become more powerful and uh, overthrow Snoke Snoke to take his position in the first order. Either way, just a thought and maybe a point discussion or de- debate. Your brother in the force, fuzz, sludge, doom, destiny, division, and other things bad for our health, Jeremy. Or the space bar, bar- Ick. or the space barbarian, or serial mafia, or whatever you want to call me. Hope you guys are putting those stickers to good use. We are, buddy. We are putting those. And he had a, a quick second follow-up email that uh, I want to address real quick. He says, um, after listening to your first episode with Johnny Grosso, it made me do a Google search, and I came up with this and thought I should share. And it's a a link 
on Etsy to a Star Wars lightsaber dildo. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they're out there. I've got one in my butt right now. Um, I was wondering why you were sitting funny. <laughs> well, you know, you can't full nice Don Bear down on it. It'll rupture something. Nice and propped up. <laughs> but, so, his, uh, his discussion about Snoke, I think he does have an interesting point. Um, you know, Star Wars is known for mirroring itself. And Evan brought it up just a few minutes ago when Han says to, to Kylo, um, he's using for you for your power until he gets what he wants, and then he'll crush you. I think that is one of those foreshadowing lines right there. I think whatever it is that he wants, which we don't exactly know right now, if if he gets that, then Kylo's gone. Gone. Um, now, will it be a re- uh, Return of the Jedi situation where Kylo does turn on Snoke in sort of a redemptive way and try to take Snoke out? I'm, I know I say it all the time. I don't see Kylo surviving this trilogy he killed on solo the only way he, he killed is, his father I, okay dad or not he killed motherfucking han solo it, the only way yeah. in my opinion you can redeem him as self-sacrifice mm-hmm. but that's just me maybe the writers will come up with some way to justify it um honestly i would i would be okay with that if he does turn on snoke and kill snoke and in the process he dies too and some sort of heroic sacrifice, and you're like, okay, well, at least he went good in the end. Right. I prefer, though, him killing Snoke and becoming the ultimate evil that the rest of them have to face off against, you know? Yeah. Um, and then maybe taking on some sort of other apprentice or something. Who knows? But what do you guys think? Um, I think, okay, I think there's obviously there's, Two answers to me is one, he either turns on Snoke and becomes evil or turns on Snoke in a good way. Uh, I think the answer to that comes from, is he the last of the Skywalkers? Right. If he is the last of the Skywalkers, his story will end on a positive note. If if Rey is a Skywalker and she can carry on that legacy, I feel like he will end up being, you know, the ultimate bad eventually because i don't think that you can end that skywalker story with just such tragedy you know what i mean like no i completely agree like also he's the only solo scion that we're aware of like Mm -hmm. so it, it it would make sense to me that he would have to be redeemed to restore the good name of the solo house right and and in traditional skywalker fashion in the very end flip good Maybe still die. Right. Well, see, this is the thing. Uh, Evan brings up, I think, a great point. If these, if this, if we're going to get an episode 10, 11, 12, I just don't. And, and I know some people kind of want this where, you know, we move away from the Skywalker bloodline. Like, why does it always have to be a continuation of that I bloodline? I don't see that happening. I think that has to be the core of the Star Wars episodic movies. That's why we're getting spinoffs, is so we can explore things that aren't the Skywalker bloodline. Right. They could continue the Skywalker bloodline into thousands and thousands of years past Return of as the Jedi. As far as I'm concerned. And I would be down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yes. If Rey is a Skywalker, I think that's 100% correct, Evan. If Rey is a Skywalker, Kylo dies. Mm-hmm. If Rey is not a Skywalker, the only way you can continue the Skywalker legacy is for Rey, you know, Kylo to have some sort of offspring. 
Yes. And he's got to survive long enough to do that and have the time to fucking bump uglies. Right now, he's trying to kill his dad and crush a resistance. Well, he's he's fucked up right now. He's well, got to yeah. get some healing, some back to time. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's not fucking... I'm sure they didn't pick him up after that fight with Ray, and he was like, oh, take me to fuck a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I got to spread my seeds, son. Um, But, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, it really just... I think that's a good point. Like, um, and maybe I'm wrong. Now, look, if if Ray isn't, let me ask you guys this question: If Ray isn't a Skywalker or a Solo, if she's not related to them, but she takes the name and sort of adop- in an adoptive way, like you know, um, she finds out that her parents was, parents were pieces of shit and they just left her on Jakku, or they died off screen or something like that. You know, she really is just a quote-unquote nobody. I'm not calling her a nobody. Just an orphan. You know, just an orphan. And she either takes the name Solo or Skywalker. Would that be acceptable for you guys? Because to me, that's valid. That's valid. Like, that's like trying to tell a kid, like, hey, you're adopted. You're not really taking... I might be satisfied with that. The multitudes would not be satisfied with that. You're probably right, but... I I could accept that. I think they won a lot of people over with Ray, so... They did. I think a lot of people are in for the Ray ride, regardless of who she is. Dude, they're bird-dogging the fact that it is Luke's daughter so hard. I think they are. It's going to be incredible if she's not. Yeah. I will be surprised if that is not Luke's daughter. Right. Okay, let me ask you this question, then. Okay. So, the... For people, the ultimate acceptance for Ray for them right now, seems to be that she's a Skywalker. Like, that's the ultimate satisfaction. Now... If that's not the case, if she's not a Skywalker, what do you think that she needs to do in the future movies to for that to be okay? For them to be like, you know what? If she's going to have to carry that yeah. mantle. Yeah, like she's not a Skywalker, but she did this in the movie, so I'm okay with it because she's that great of a character. You know what I mean? That she yeah. like, save Luke's life or you know something dramatic. That- I'm, I'm telling you right now, um, you know... I liked Ray and the character and I liked Daisy Ridley so much in The Force Awakens that I'm I'm down with whatever they want to make her. I am very personally invested in wanting her to be Luke's daughter. Um and I had to sort of temper myself because if it doesn't turn out to be the case, I don't want that to be the reason something disappoints me. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I'm trying to keep a level head about it, which is hard for me to do with Star Wars because like you know, I always, whether it's a bad video game, a bad Star Wars video game, or a bad book, my first reaction is just always going to be, this is the greatest thing ever! Mm-hmm. Star Wars! But, you know, I'm trying to temper myself to where, if that turns out to not be the case, where she's not Luke's daughter, that I'm not so disappointed that I hold that against the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be I fine mean, with whatever they tell me. They've just led it very hard in one yeah. direction. Yeah, I think right after seeing The Force Awakens, like, I wouldn't have cared so much who Ray's parents were if they didn't make it a thing, you know? Right. And after seeing it, I'm like, okay, she has to be a Skywalker or I'll be disappointed. But then as time went on, I'm I'm like, it's it's kind of not really seeming to go that way, you know? And yeah. I'm, I'm learning to be okay with it, and that's, that's all right, you know what I mean? So, um, we're going to talk about that uh, Star Wars Bloodlines book, the Leia book that just mm-hmm. came out this week. Mm-hmm. I'm not done with it. So uh, I want to wait till I'm done. And plus, I want to give our listeners a couple of weeks to read it. But we're going to get into it really hard. But I wanna, I'm want i going to say that that book, which, by the way, Ryan Johnson, 
the director of episode eight did have some input on mm-hmm. sort of cast some things in a new light for me. Um, mm-hmm. And it makes me question a lot of my theories and other people's theories. That's interesting. Um, something I will say, if you guys want a really interesting read uh, about Snoke, I've got it for you. And look, I know we've all read Snoke theories and Snoke, um, you know, watched YouTube videos. Oh, Snoke is this, Snoke is that. Here's all the things you missed in The Force Awakens that you may not have noticed. Do you guys take that as a personal challenge when you when you see those articles? Or, I just or laugh YouTube? it off like, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch your video, but only at the end so I can look at my fiance and go, I knew all that already. These fucking assholes trying to pull one over on me. Um, Ten things you missed, my ass. But our buddy Steel, who I know I swing from his nuts all the time, but he is a good dude. He hosts Steel Wars. Um, an excellent Star Wars podcast that you should. He check was on out. TV not too long ago. Yes, he was. He in in Australia. He did some. I, I think it's a, ch- a Channel Ten morning show. I yeah. don't know these things. Sorry, Steel. Um, but he just launched his new Star Wars site on May the fourth, and it's the Count dot com. Oh, nice! And the first article he uh, kicked it all off was nineteen things about. Uh, Snoke that you may not have noticed. And I got to say, you guys should check it out. It's the midichloriancount.com. And uh, like I said, the first article on Snoke was pretty illuminating. I, I got to say, he's on to something. So uh, just a quick plug there for yeah, our buddy Steve. I'll Steel. have to look into that. Um, but uh, how about we move on to our next email? It's from Absolutely. a first time uh, writer, Buddy John. What's up, John? Hey, John. Hawes Hello. and Will. What's up, guys? I just wanted to say that I love your podcast. Well, thank you. I recently started listening to it. I've been rapidly catching up on it. I've listened to a lot of the shows that have been leading up to the release of The Force Awakens. And a couple of occasions, the discussions have come up about how John Williams isn't going to be around forever. Let me first say that when he does stop providing the awesome scores for the movies, it will be a tragedy. I do like the ideas that you guys have suggested as possible replacements for him. I wanted to hear what you guys thought about Joel Joel McNeely. He did a score for the book Shadows of the Empire, which when it came out was the most awesome idea I have ever heard of. A score to a book. It was a wonderful blend of his own style and John Williams themes. If you've never heard the album, it is available on iTunes. I just wondered what your thoughts were. May the Force and the Fourth be with you, John. So, yeah, well, thanks, we have. John. May the fourth be with you. I got to be completely honest. I was not exactly familiar with this. It's just one of those things that sort of I never really caught on to. There's so much. But I did check it out. And I got to say, it's, it sounds good. It sounds Star Warsy. It does have some original elements to it. Um, we've talked about this and, on here and on Rogue One. Everybody knows who I want. I want Michael Giacchino from Lost. Mm-hmm. To take it over i think he uh he does a great job on the movie scores and tv scores he's done god he owes you money he does he, michael if, i mean like the last three uh, or four <laughs> podcasts I've i have been to, dude, i've like, been swinging this, on steel's nuts and michael giacchino dude michael giacchino needs to just write you a check no like, man he just, just needs to send me like for how many times you said his name in the last month like he needs to just cut you one some, if anybody, any of our listeners, you know, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, know Michael Giacchino, let him know that if he's got a spare piece of lost merchandise or, or memorabilia lay, laying around, 
just mail it to your boy Halls. He's a big fan, and he's been pimping you. Like, seriously, I've been giving him audio fucking hand jobs for the last four episodes. I know. <laughs> so what about you, Evan? Do you have anybody that you'd like to see take cool. over the the dubious task of trying to replace John Williams? Um, you know, I'll say two things. Number one, I completely agree with uh, Johnny when he was talking about how great of a composer Danny Elfman is. Right. However, I do not think that he fits in the Star Wars world. I don't either. I'm not denying his ability, but I was seeing that when I was listening to it. Is yes. That, I, I, that's just I not what him. I want to see. Um, my my The whole reason I started getting into art itself was because of Tim Burton. So I was always in that, that Danny right. Elfman realm. And it's just, it's never going to be Star Wars. I like um, his I like his scores for Tim Burton movies. Yes. I, oh, absolutely. 100%. Mm-hmm. I, I agree that he's great, but that I I do not see him fitting into Star Wars yeah. unless he's got some tricks up his sleeve, like, and you know he reinvents himself and takes himself in some some different uh, directions. Then you know, I, I'll be open to anything, but he just doesn't seem he doesn't seem to fit the bill. In yeah, that, you know, if, if I was if somebody were to say, hey, you know, Danny Elfman's scoring a Star Wars movie. The last one I would guess it to be would be an episodic film. That's what I was going to say. Agreed. He could be a good match for a spinoff. And he would. Yes. He he really would. The whole point is trying to be be it uh, placed in the universe, but also different. He could Mm -hmm. provide that. But if you're asking for a shadow of John Williams, you can't do that with Danny Elf. But yeah, I honestly don't know anybody specific that I think could handle it. Yeah. (laughs) All righty. Well, next up on our uh, email... Is our good buddy Chris. Chris. He said, hey dudes, I just saw the news from Jason Ward finally being able to confirm that the Mac Daddy of the Sith Lords and my all-time favorite character, Darth Vader, will be appearing in Rogue One. This is something that has been rumored and at at certain point, uh, it wasn't even rumored to me. uh, For me, I just accepted it. It only makes sense Mm -hmm, that that Darth Vader was going to be in Rogue One. My prediction... This, that will be the sickest Black Series figure ever made. In many fans' opinions, the New Hope Vader costume that is also supposed to show up in Rogue One is the best iteration. I'm excited to see how well that translates to a highly detailed 6-inch action figure. Let's just hope there's not some kind of ass-clown action figure like Zuvio hogging all the pegs <laughs> and keeping them from reaching consumers' hands. I finally got my ass in gear and gave Blue Harvest and Rogue One a 5-star rating each. You all are fucking killing it. Have a good weekend and take her easy. And if she's easy, take her twice. <laughs> Chris. I will follow that advice. All right. So real quick, Evan, do you do much Star Wars collecting? Um, you know, I do, but I don't do it specifically with the toys. Right um, pretty much the, the stuff that I do, uh, I have like the, that Han Solo mini fridge I showed you that one time. Awesome. Oh my God. So awesome. I love that. I got that for uh, this past Christmas, but... I, I say my prized possession is it's a Yoda statue. Um, and what it was is it, it was the statue that came out when the Revenge of the Sith came out. Uh-huh. And they put it in um, like uh, like grocery stores. And uh, I know what you're talking about. Yes, yes. And it was, a, it was a Pepsi promotion. And a buddy of mine, his dad, like was real high up in there. And he ended up bringing it home for my buddy. And I remember always going over there and it just sat there and sat there getting dust on it and everything and i remember probably about a year ago i hit him up and i said hey you know do you still have that he said yeah you know i'm trying to get rid of it and i said you know can i take it off your hands and he only sold to me for like 120 bucks so 
That's and awesome. And then, and then I was like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. And then like, I went on eBay and it's going for like a grand. Oh. And I'm like, you sure I can't throw you like an extra like hundred, you know, a couple hundred or whatever. And he's like, no, just take it. So, I've been like, shh, shh. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, shut right. Up. So pretty much the, the collecting that I say I would do is just like miscellaneous items across the board. But I was really looking into those. Uh, I don't know exactly how you say it, but they're like those those statues that they have. They're like a hundred bucks a piece mm-hmm. uh, on on a bunch of different stores that I saw. That I would I would I'm looking to get and start a collection of those. Um, so which ones are you talking about here? Are they? They are the. It starts with the K. It's like a Japanese Kaiyu Kotobukiya. Uh, Okay, there you go. Yes. Yes. Those are really nice. Yes, absolutely. Which also, I was going to segue into, give me a list of what Black Series you're looking for, and I'll see if I have any up here. Yeah, man. If if you run across the two I'm looking for right now, mm-hmm. Kanan, well, there's three. Kanan, Ahsoka, and General Hux. Okay. I'll if you see down. any of those, I'll be happy to PayPal you the amount plus shipping. Oh. These are oh. ones I, I just can't find around here. Um, the, it's weird, Hux. I'm telling you, you're getting a fucking. This is like a stock tip. <laughs> if you guys find a Black Series Hux, snatch it up. Even if you don't collect Black Series, because that is going to be a hard figure to find. Mm-hmm. I did some research on it, and from what I understand, there may have been one Hux for every two cases of that wave. Oh wow! wow. Just because I think they printed it up thinking people weren't going to want it. Except for completionists. Now, right now, Hux is selling between forty and fifty dollars on eBay, which is I hate doing that, man. Like when yeah. I know the original price on something really new is twenty bucks, I hate you know paying two, three times that amount. Mm-hmm. But I'm probably going to have to do it if I can't find one because it's starting to remind me of the Anakin situation mm-hmm. with um, Black Series. A Black Series Anakin came out and. I had one in my hand on the same day I found the Black Series Obi-Wan. I'm sitting there, and I was like, I'm only going to get one of these. I'm getting Obi-Wan. Anakin will be everywhere. I've not seen one since, and that figure right now, over $100 on eBay. Wow. Oh, my goodness. For a $20 figure. And that and it started off, like, when I was then going to look for him, it started off in the 40 to $50, $60 range, and now it's super expensive. That's what's going to happen with Hux. And it's a weird figure to happen with, you know, but he's, you just can't find him. Yeah, he's 140 bucks online. Yeah, uh, Anakin? Yep. Yep. Um, the- now, uh, Chris, buddy, I don't know if you know this. Um, there is a Black Series Vader already out. <laughs> Yet again, another hard figure to find. I don't have one. I have a Vader's Wrath figure, but I don't have um, just a Vader figure. Um, and he is... Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's based off the A New Hope Vader because he's got the amber lenses instead of the full black lenses in his mask. Um, but I am pretty sure that we will get a repack in Rogue One um, packaging. But that that uh, Anakin Bla- or Vader Black Series really good looking. Could take his helmet off and see fucked up Anakin underneath. Oh and wow! Stuff, so. Yeah, just a, unfortunately another one that's kind of hard to find. The same thing with the James Earl Jones as the John Williams. Get it? You better get it in while you can. Yes. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, that was also a rumor um, was that when they were getting ready to do Vader in Rogue One, that they put together like a quote-unquote Vader dream team. And they got the guy that sculpted the costume 
for the first movie for a new hope to come back and do it and james earl jones and um from jason's descriptions of um the costume and stuff it sounds like they nailed it that it looks just like a new hope vader oh wow um he also there was a rumor going around i can't remember his name of who is in this actual suit i can give you a point of reference for who it is in Guardians of the Galaxy, you know the alien that is listening to Star-Lord's headphones yeah. in the prison? That guy is okay. apparently who's in the suit. And apparently in the suit, he looks perfect. Looks yeah. just like a New Hope Vader. Wow. So that gets me excited. I liked seeing um, Vader in Revenge of the Sith, but he doesn't exactly look right. And, you know, you can always say, well, this is, you know, 20-something years or whatever before a New Hope. Nope. but. He's still like they tried to make him as tall and as big as James or as, you know, Bob Anderson, and David Prowse in the suit. But it was Hayden Christensen. He's not that big. He doesn't have that same build. So they like, you know, put shoulder pads in and padding in the suit. And it just doesn't look 100 percent mm-hmm. right. So I'm glad to see that they're going somewhat um, a little more in line <laughs> now. I want to uh, th- I want to do a quick question on this for you guys. If, for some reason, we see Vader unmasked in Rogue One. I don't know that we will. Um, there was a, a report on making Star Wars that, you know, that tank you see in the Rogue One trailer? That mm-hmm. Vader is in that tank, getting oh, worked wow. on. So there's a possibility we might see him unmasked. Do you want... what? Would you be opposed, I guess I should say, if it is in a cameo cas- uh, you know, ca- you know, capacity uh, to Hayden Christensen being... Under the mask. No, I would not be opposed to that. I wouldn't either. I would actually like that. And what I I found kind of interesting is that lately, there's been kind of like a reverence for him. Like, a lot of... You know what it is? I think people feel bad. And -hmm. rightfully so. Like, the poor kid. Like, you two guys, I just want you to sit back and close your eyes and let Halls take you to an imaginary place. Let's imagine that you're a, a young actor... Like, this is what you've chosen that you want to do. You don't have your eyes closed, Will. This is what you have chosen to do with your life. And you get the role as the main character in episode two and three. As Anakin Skywalker, you are going to become Darth Vader. Imagine how happy you would be. Oh, yeah. Ecstatic. You get on set, you're fucking lightsaber battling, fucking making this is out gonna with, be great. Making out with Natalie Portman. You're fucking, you know, George Lucas is there. There's green screens. People are writing about you online. Um, and, uh, you know, they, um, you know, and then the movies come out and people are like, he's a shitty actor, you know. <laughs> Uh, so can you imagine all, the disappointment? And they're all patting him on the back like, oh, it's yeah. good. You know, it's, it's him I feel bad for. And also, to a to a higher degree, is Jake Lloyd. Yes. I mean, that poor dude, uh, you know, he's got some issues. Mm-hmm. and Poor guy's got schizophrenia from what I understand. Yes. Yeah. yes. I mean, he's in a mental hospital right now. It's it's fucked up. That poor kid. Yeah, you know, could you imagine that? Like, entering as a kid and being like, I'm in this universe of yeah. Star Wars. Look what's come of it, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a shame. He's hateful and bitter and resentful. He hates I, Star Wars. I do not blame him one bit. I don't either, man. Like, and and that's gotta suck. Like for me, that would be like, can you imagine just uh, heartbreak? Yeah. But um, um, 
Uh, real quick, sorry. I just want to let you know, I actually have to skate out early. Okay. Only because I have uh, the Captain America Civil War premiere. Nice. Heading to that, so it's about to start in about 20 minutes or so. Well, dude, thanks so much for coming on. And, oh, uh, absolutely. Hopefully man. we didn't keep, keep you too long. Hopefully you still got a, a good seat for uh, Civil War. Oh, yeah, that's, that's not a problem. I've been waiting to to be a guest for a while so don't even mention it i could go see that movie anytime so well we'll definitely have you on again in the future and, and thanks for coming on but yeah oh, thanks absolutely. for I'd thanks for being here you know, I'll, I'll keep writing in in the meantime so yeah. do so yes please absolutely <laughs> well thanks again evan and uh it's glad to add you to the uh extended blue harvest family and i'm happy uh, to be a part of it yeah man and uh in just uh as a little teaser we put our buddy evan who has some amazing art skills to the task of helping us with some Blue Harvest artwork that you'll probably be seeing soon. You absolutely so, will be. Um, uh, before you go, real quick, why don't you pimp your Twitter, your mm-hmm. any website or anything you have? Just let people know where they can find you. Absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter. It's uh, edechellis25. Um, and you see me tweet usually to, to Haas all the time. So I'll, I'll usually be on there. And right now I have uh, an illustrative book that I'm coming out with. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that'll be coming out probably in a couple of weeks, actually. So I'll probably put that up uh, very shortly, more information about that. So, And I just finished, actually just finished that project, and I've been doing rough sketches for your guys' uh, new artwork. So nice. that's next. Well, thanks, buddy, and uh, we hope you have a good time. Let me know what you think of Civil War. I'm oh, absolutely. hoping I'll, I'll to catch you. it in the next few days, so I'm really yeah. excited about it. As soon as I get out, because I think it starts 1030 uh, my time Eastern, so I'll yeah. shoot you a message afterwards and i'll let you know what i thought of it all right well cool buddy well have a good one be safe and enjoy the movie my man thanks so much guys i'll uh, i'll catch you catch you on here soon all right buddy all right guys take care well that was cool to have evan absolutely cool we got one more email to cover and then uh that'll be it for us buddy all I'm right let you go uh all righty and this email from our buddy Oliver. Oliver. Oliver, my Swedish best friend who's not a fucking catfish. You think I that knew now. it. I, he could be long conning you. Will. He, could, he could be sawyering you. Hey, Oliver, don't listen to Will. Don't listen to him, buddy. We know. <laughs> you know just sit back with your... Oliver, I know you're real. I'm just playing. Just sit back with your plate of loot fisk and, and your Star Wars and, and whatever you kids like to do over there in Sweden. He doesn't. Eat, he doesn't eat loose fist because it's gross. Yes, he but, probably wears a turtleneck sweater. <laughs> Just kidding. You probably don't. Or maybe you do. I mean, or maybe you do. Keeps the neck nice and warm. It's feeding. All right. This is from our buddy Oliver. Hey guys, Oliver from Sweden here. I'm glad to hear that you guys liked my last email about the Star Wars reboot. I think that the Force Awakens was pretty much a perfect start for the sequel tw- trilogy, except for one thing. They made, the, they made the main protagonist live on a desert planet for the third fucking time in a Star Wars movie. I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that in the early scripts of the movie, they considered Jakku to be a swampy planet. I think that would have been a better choice for the movie, but that's just my opinion. I would like to hear your guys' thoughts on this and what other planets you would like to see in the upcoming movies. I would love to see worlds like Corellia and Mandalore and maybe revisit Coruscant or Cloud City. Thanks for making the podcast, guys, and may the force be with you. Well, thanks for writing in, Oliver. I'm going to agree with you, buddy. Something that still kind of bothers me about The Force Awakens, but I've I've gotten past it because I love the movie, but 
It does bother me that it's a desert planet again. Oh, man, it's an homage. It is an homage. Like everything else in the movie. You know, it is. And there's two things. I talked about this with Johnny a little last week. There's two things they could have changed that would have really cut down on this rehash stuff. All this bullshit rehash talk people are bitching about. And one of those is do something else besides a I a, heard this, a death super star. weapon. Yeah. yeah. And another one would have been to make it some other sort of planet besides a desert planet. Um, and he is right. I believe at one point they were considering a swamp planet. And early on, like when Michael Arndt and George Lucas were still involved, uh, it was going to be a snow planet. Uh, I think either one of those would, I would have been okay with. Um, you know, granted, you know, we got the snow planet in Starkiller Base, basically, and stuff. Um, as far as other planets I would like to see, I would love to see some prequel planets in this sequel trilogy. You know, um, and, and you know, it's not just because, you know, I'm like, oh, fucking Naboo needs its due. It's because, like, I like the continuity of it, you know. Let's see what the planet looks like now. now. 30 years, or, no, longer than 30 After years. After the Empire's like rule. Like, 50-something years. Like, that Coruscant, I would love to see. I would love to see Coruscant again. Um, Mandalore and Corellia would be cool. I bet you we see Corellia in the Han Solo movie. Um, Felucia? Ah, uh, yes. The, like, crazy giant jungle planet? Or yeah, whatever that where, um, Ayla Sakura dies. And yep. This, that's the issue. Like, I'm all for practical effects and sets. And look, I think th- there's one thing you gotta say about The Force Awakens is it's beautiful. The amount of detail and craftsmanship and, and and stuff that went behind the sets that they built. Like, that's that snow set where Ray and them have their last... Ray and Kylo and Finn have that last duel is amazing, it is. I think. I think the set that they picked out um, in the, the forest, I think it's called Puzzlewood in England, where Ray and Kylo first meet, where he captures her, amazing looking. Right. Um, but there's also an issue when you're using nothing but real world locations is there's only so many types of environments in on earth you know what i'm saying so you're you're you've got a limited toolbox now george lucas he'd be like fuck it we'll do this in a uh let's uh (laughs) let's green screen it he'll do this in a fucking warehouse that's completely painted fucking lime green and you'll get some crazy shit you know, I, I want you to act like you're in a lava lava bed. Faster, more intense. It's a volcano. Faster, more intense. Um, but yeah, they, um, you know, it, it's, you know, that's one of the downsides. I think going forward, we're probably only going to get feasible earthly type locations. And that's not to say there isn't some stuff that they haven't done yet that they could do. Swamp, uh, swamp environment is a good idea. Um, and, you know coastal environments it looks like we're getting a little of that in rogue one so i just really think until they're willing to go more cgi which will happen you know it'll come back around it will right now we're getting star wars made by people who were fans of the original trilogy right eventually fans that were uh people that were big fans of the prequel trilogy will be making star wars and around then i bet you you see lots of cgi and stuff right um so I think it's just a matter of time. Their CGI will be way better by then. It'll look real, even yeah. more real. So I'm excited to see what we get in the future. Um, you want uh, real quickly? 
Uh, one thing that kind of bothers me about The Force Awakens is how similar Taco Donna and Dakar are to each other. Taco Donna is where, you know, Maz Kanata, Maz Kanata's castle is, and Dakar is where the Resistance base is. They're both sort of foresty jungle planets. Yeah. I wish they had thrown a little um, variation in between those two. Yeah. So. They're both fairly remote, though. Just. Yeah. There's not a lot of civilization <laughs> on those planets. Well, Oliver, buddy, thank you so much for yeah. writing in. Thanks, Oliver. Uh, and I think that's going to about do it for this week. Um, before we go, I would like to remind you guys that the band that does our theme song, Stoned Cobra, just released a new album, Armed and Hammered, which you can get at stonedcobra.com, at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com, or if you're feeling squirrely, you can now stream it on Spotify. Whoa. I did that at work today. Look out. Give them some fucking listens on Spotify. Um, if you happen to buy the album, and it'll be up on iTunes as well soon, keep your receipts, your proof of purchase, we might have a little something special for you in the coming months if you do that. Wow. And um, really want to thank Evan for coming on. He's probably uh, driving to go see some Spider-Man and some fucking Captain America and Iron Man. I'm jealous, dude. I know. I really want to see that movie. So um, do you have anything to add? I'm super excited for that movie as well. Where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Twitter at, at WillWitten3. That's me. Uh, I post pics of my life and of Blue Harvest and chefy oh. food things. Dude, we had Evan on real quickly. How was your dad's wedding? It was great. It awesome. was fantastic. Dude, I'm so, I meant to bring that up. Fabulous. I mean, that's why you weren't we'll on. We'll talk about week. it next time. Okay. Remind that's why me. I wasn't on last week, but it's good to be back this week. Yeah. Yeah. I, you showed me some pictures of your dad's wedding, and it looked like an awesome time. It was great. My fat ass had to almost immediately ask about the food. Oh, yeah. We'll go into it. I'll <laughs> tell you all about the Well, food. yeah. Put a, put a pin in that. We'll cover that next we'll come week. come back to it. But anyway. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, remember to rate and review us on iTunes if you have the time. It really helps us out. And, uh, oh yeah, check out themidichloriancount.com for some excellent Star Wars discussion. Um, and that about does it for this week. So, for Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast, I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs>